Sauron's forces are already moving. The Nine have left Minas Morgul. The Nine? They crossed the river Aizen on Midsummer's Eve, disguised as riders in black. They've reached the Shire. They will find the ring. And kill the one who carries it. Frodo. He did not seriously think that a hobbit could contend with the will of Sauron. There are none who can. Against the power of mortal, there can be no victory. We must join with him, Gandalf. We must join with Sauron. It would be wise, my friend. Tell me, friend. When did Saruman the Wise abandon reason for madness? We now present to you, for your regular listening pleasure, a tribute to Christopher Lee. That's right. Earlier we talked about a movie called Five Easy Pieces, which was a home run for Jack Nicholson. Mm -hmm. Jack Nicholson, by the way, played the doctor in the film version of Tommy. You know the Tommy, the, can you hear me? Right, can the, you hear me near the album you? by the Who, which was turned into a uh, into a musical film. However, the first choice to play the Doctor in Tommy was actually a man named Christopher Lee, who was too busy doing something else that was far too awesome to play in another movie, even though he was an awesome singer. So we're going to talk about the work of the late great Christopher Lee. That's right, who we sadly just lost. However, there of course are some people who say that you know Christopher Lee can't stay dead long. Let's hope that's not true. <laughs> One thing I was talking about with a friend of mine the other day, is there was there an older living actor than Christopher Lee? Like I, I think that there, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to think I can think of, of a one. couple of people who were older, but as far as working, I'm not sure. Like, Chris, like Kirk Douglas is now 100. And he had a stroke, so unfortunately he's out of the acting <laughs> yeah, and, business. Yeah, and Olivia de Havilland, I think, is still alive, and she's almost 100. But that Definitely hasn't been working. Yeah, but who else... I can't think of anybody else who, into their 90s, kept working. Like, no. you know, the the last time I saw Chris Lee in a movie, you know, and it's not the movie's fault, but it was Battle of the Five Armies. Yeah. You know, and, you know, even though... A man in his early 90s still playing uh, one, of, uh, one of his mo most well-known roles. Yeah. Now, for those of you who may be coming to our podcast and don't know who Chris Lee is... Uh, well, first of all, you know, shame on you. No, <laughs> no, I'm, please, I'm, I'm kidding. But, no, you, but the thing that's great about Christopher Lee, I think, is that he is one of those rare stars who, span, like, spans so much of film history that even if, you know, depending on your age, you will know who Christopher Lee is. You could be, you know, an older person, you can be into cult movies, you can be a huge James Bond fan. You could be a fan of modern epics. Yeah, you could, anybody, he's one of those people that, from, you know, age, like, four 
to 84, you know who Chris Frilly is, for lack of a better term. Now, for those of you who want to know some of the things about his, you know, CV, so to speak, um, well, first of all, he played Dracula eight times and one extra time uncredited. Um, he uh, just, oh, sorry. just throw that one in for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think it was that it's funny that time, that movie where he's uncredited as Dracula. I think Peter Cushing was in that too. It was called one more time. <laughs> uh, although that was not his last Dracula movie. And he actually did 10 movies in 1970 alone. Wow. Yeah. We should <laughs> say, yeah, he worked a lot. Like he has 200 movies to his credit. And among those include, Three Sherlock Holmes movies where he played Sherlock Holmes, uh, Mycroft Holmes, and Sir Henry Baskerville. Wow. Um, sadly, the Sherlock Holmes movie where he played Sherlock Holmes, he's dubbed over. <sighs> yeah, which is sad. Five. That's got to be weird because Christopher Lee had such a distinct voice. Yeah, it's now, a imagine voice. someone dubbing over his voice. Yeah. With... It, well, it was a German production. So, who knows? Maybe they didn't run out of money to record his dialogue or something they didn't record live sound like right the italians five fu manchu performances in five years kind of sketchy nowadays but still <laughs> hey you know at that point you know if you play fu manchu and you could do it for five movies you could probably do anything um he was the cousin of ian fleming uh and that was the writer of the james bond novel. yeah he was actually another we talk about movies he was up for he was also up for Dr. No, originally. Like, Ian right. Fleming offered him that role. It didn't happen, but then he got The Man with the Golden Gun in the 70s. Which was why he couldn't be in Tommy. Which is why he couldn't be in Tommy, because he was busy uh, wearing full-body makeup to play Scaramanga. Yeah. Uh, and, like, he had a full-body tan, which... <laughs> <laughs> I actually... I don't if, think if, it looks ridiculous. If I... If I saw Man with the Golden Gun, it's been so long because I don't remember it. Um, he was met. He it was interesting when he got cast in the Lord of the Rings movies because he was the only actor who met J.R.R. Tolkien, and um, you know he was a diehard fan. He he said he read the books every year, sometimes twice a year, mm. and he was able to give um, advice to the production staff on props and things of that nature because he apparently was an authority. The thing about Christopher Lee, it's interesting when you read about him, he you know, he seems like he was a great person to work with. He was a gentleman, all this. But he could also be kind of like a stickler. He's a little bit he was a little bit of like a stick to the source nerd. <laughs> a little bit like Matthew Catania, our friend. Like he You just compared Matt Catania to Christopher Lee. Do you realize the gift you've given him? He'll be he'll love that for years. He'll wear that as a badge. But no, the thing is, is that like Christopher Lee uh like part of the problem he had with the Dracula movies that he was in was that he felt sincerely that hey you're straying way too far from the source material you know <laughs> and like he brought the book i think when he was doing the first dracula movie horror of dracula yeah and was like hey let's use dialogue from this book it's right here um so you know he also did that for that he did for um the the lord of the rings movies um i think he said he originally wanted to be gandalf and I was kind of disappointed, but so, sorry, Chris, you're I mean, you're too evil. You look at the people, you like <laughs> what? Like this is a person who got to do everything. Like, yeah, he got to and things that you would not expect in a million years. You know, we talk about how he played Fu Manchu. He said his favorite performance was in a movie called Jinnah, 
Yeah, where about the founder played, of Pakistan. Yeah, Muhammad Ali Jinnah. What? Well, it's uh, <laughs> I've never he, even heard of that movie until recently. Yeah, I mean, that, but that's part of the problem. He's he was talking about um, he was talking about his favorite role, and he said, "I played Jinnah in a movie." Yeah, and he said the reason you haven't seen it is oh. because of what? I'm sorry. No, 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 you're, no, no, you're no. giving me signals. <laughs> no, 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 no. But another thing where he was very much like, "Let's use the source material, guys." Uh, was the last unicorn. Oh. He apparently did a voice in that. He yeah, was the he voice was of King Haggard. King Haggard, and he like brought the book with him, you know, to try to read parts that were left out. Yes, <laughs> like the filmmakers are probably like, oh, just read what we give you, and he's like, no. <laughs> like, See, the thing is, the Last Unicorn is not a very good movie, mm. but Christopher Lee is good in it, and I think that's the essence of the appeal of Christopher Lee. Yes, Christopher Lee oh, yeah. was in a lot of movies. A lot of them are classics now. Uh, and some of them are 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 big epics, but a, he was in a lot of crap. Yeah, well, what, but, what was it? What, what was it that you told me the other day when I mentioned that, like, you know, he was in some bad movies, and then you you said to me, and I quote, ninety percent of everything is crap." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what a downer you are. <laughs> it's that's usually how it is. Uh, but every time he was on the screen, no matter how crappy of a movie yeah. it was, he showed up to work. Yes. He was, he had great, uh, he always read his lines the best way possible. He yeah. gave the movie a touch of class, no matter how trashy yeah. it was. Yeah. And even though he played Dracula well into the 70s and he was so tired of it. Yeah. And like, and his parts like diminished in, in size. He still had screen presence. Yeah. He, uh, and I watched, I watched a couple of Dracula movies uh, to prepare for our talk about him. Uh, one was called... Dracula, Prince of Darkness, and the other one was called Dracula Has Risen from the Grave. Right. And, you know, sometimes maybe these, some of these titles can kind of blend together. Um, <laughs> you know, because then he, in the 70s he also did Scars of Dracula, and Dracula AD 1972, and Dracula Goes to Hawaii, and uh, all these other movies. <laughs> Might as well. Yeah, but these two movies were kind of interesting in the sense that they're both, you know, the Hammer Horror uh, movies, and they were famous for... Uh, make, taking a lot of the classic horror movies that were done in the 30s and giving them their own gothic retelling. You know, right. The color. Uh, you know, Horror uh, of Dracula, I think, is a great movie. That might be my... Fi I mean, yeah, the one in the 30s, you know, that's obviously a classic, but the one in the 50s, I think, holds up really well. It's held, it holds up pretty well. Uh, also because... Uh... Peter Cushing was in it. He's that in too. he's in the movie a lot more than Christopher Lee is. Yeah. Uh, although that's not Christopher Lee's fault. Um, he Christopher Lee is the second most famous man to have played Dracula. Yeah, yeah. Pretty, I would say that after Bela Lugosi. Yeah, yeah. That would be a fair assessment. Um, here are some notable titles just to read off uh, from his career. Um, things like Island of the Burning Damned, All right. um, the Torture Chamber of Doctor Sadism. <laughs> Um, Eugenie, the story of her journey into perversion. <laughs> um, Howling 2, your sister is a werewolf. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. I have not seen Howling 2, and I have no desire to. I think we can make a game out of this. I'm not sure what. But, but like every time, every time just that Christopher like take, Lee, take, every time that Christopher Lee is in a tasteless title, take a shot, <laughs> and and we'll all die by the end of this podcast. Uh, also, missiles from hell. Um, I mean, this is a guy who 
yeah, he's in the Lord of the Rings movies. He also worked with Alejandro Jaworski. He has a memorable scene in uh, this uh, kind of obscure movie that he made called The Rainbow Thief. Hmm. And it's kind of weird that this is an obscure movie because it has both Omar Sharif and Peter O'Toole. And it's pretty well, good. Peter O'Toole was in his share of crap as well. <laughs> yes. Um, he has a couple weird scenes in that movie. Christopher Lee, the thing I remember about him is that he has a scene where he's acting with a table of dogs as guests. He's giving some kind of speech <laughs> to... <laughs> it, don't argue it. It's Jodorowsky. Um, All right. You're right. You know, he... Um, yeah, but just... It's interesting that like the biggest mistake he said was turning down Halloween. He actually he probably could have been in Halloween and what part would he have played? He in would Halloween? have played the Doctor, oh, Doctor Loomis. Okay. You know the part that Donald Pleasance played. I imagine maybe part of that was you know the money. Well, yeah, you know that would probably help. Like, well, I, I think he's look, he was looking at it in retrospect as well. No one thought Halloween was going to become what it did. Like the 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 the, the birth of the modern slasher movie and would be copied over and over again. Yeah, but to talk about the kind of, you know, ratio of, uh, you know, when you talk about, yeah, he probably did a share of crap, like... What is the ratio of gold to crap in this situation? It's an interesting question. I think you'd have to look at all the movies he did, because he did And there are a lot of movies. Over 300? No, not 300, 200. All right, close to 300. Yeah, maybe it feels like 300. 400. (laughs) 500! (laughs) <laughs> um, but because he, he is... worked like to give you an idea, he worked five times with Klaus Kinski. Oh, geez. and one of those times he was Dracula and Kinski was Renfield, which <laughs> sounds like the most perfect thing ever. Yeah. Um, except that it was directed by Jess Franco, and so I haven't seen the movie, but he directed his share of crap. All right. Um, one thing about Chris really, uh, he he lived a real big life though too. Aside from the movies he made, he was apparently a special officer in World War II. He basically had a job after the war, war the war ended killing Nazis. Yes. And, <laughs> yeah, believe and, me, and I say it. Now, here's the thing. He never talked about it. No. It, and the, this story has been repeated a whole bunch of times, but we're going to tell it anyway because it's awesome. Uh, you mind? Please. All right. Christopher Lee was working on uh, The Return of the King. Uh, the uh, the Lord of the Rings film, the third yes. one. Yeah, which and, he, and, now you can only see him, by the way, in the director's cut. Right, but it's didn't... worth seeing him because he has a great death scene. Right, and he, the scene that got cut is of him getting stabbed in the back and uh, falling off of this tower. Yeah, and as they were playing out the scene, he gets stabbed, but he didn't make any sounds. And and uh, Peter Jackson said, uh, "I need you to scream when you get stabbed." And he was trying to tell him what to do, and says, and he says. Uh, all right, I won't do my impression. He says, Peter, do you know what it sounds like when a man gets stabbed in the back? And he says, and Peter Jackson says, no. And he's like, well, I do. <laughs> yeah. And he explains, when you get stabbed in the back, the, 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 you can't scream because the air rushes out of your lungs. And you, you basically, uh, and it comes out in a kind of moan, like, <laughs> And so... Peter Jackson decided to take him take his word for it. Yeah, because they knew he had done some some shadowy He's things in World things. War II. And yeah. rather than press him, they decided to go with what he said. And even at like the age he was at, Christopher Lee seems like a guy who could probably stab somebody in the back if he had to. Well, I hope he didn't have to. No, I hope not. Um, <laughs> he had a lot of uh, 
And he never talked about what he did in World War II because what he did was top secret. What he would tell people, they would ask him what he did. And here's what his response would be. He would say to that person, uh, can you keep a secret? And he, the guy, the guy would say, yeah. And he said, so can I. Bam! Yeah. Isn't that the best way to go about it? Yeah. But here's the thing. Christopher Lee, he played Dracula. He played a whole bunch of villains. He played Sar- uh, Saruman. And, and here's a question for you, by the way, before we get into more okay, stuff. Okay. Before I... T- what was the first movie he made an impression on you? The first, I, I saw the, the man with the golden gun. Live well, Scaramanga. As a million dollars a contract, I can afford to, Mr. Bond. You work for peanuts. A hearty well done from Her Majesty the Queen and a pittance of a pension. Apart from that, we are the same. To us, Mr. Bond, we are the best. There's a useful four-letter word, and you're full of it. Okay. And uh, I really just dis- remember him very distinctly because he told the story about how he how he lived in the circus right. and how he made this fr- friends with an elephant. Uh-huh. And uh, and he tells this very interesting story. You mean the character? Yeah, Scaramanga. Okay. Oh, right, right. He, uh, Scaramanga tells a story about how he grew up yeah. and how he became an assassin. And Roger Moore, of course, is not listening to him because he's James Bond and he's a dick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I think that's the first time I really noticed him i'm not sure of any time i'd seen him before then and Mm. recognized him i the thing for me is that i saw like so he here's here's the deal he plays a character and no joke he well is a joke he plays the character dr catheter in gremlins 2 the new batch oh why don't i remember him in that film that's the thing he he has a scene which is like one of my favorite scenes in that movie where he's like this n- nasty doctor in this corporation and, you know, they've captured Gizmo. And, you know, there are these other two scientists who are like twins. And you'll remember the scene, I tell you, because he turns on music and Gizmo kind of comes out of the cage and starts dancing. And the two twins are kind of bopping next to each other while Christopher Lee is standing on the side just not doing anything. <laughs> he's just being very Christopher Lee. So I think in that movie he did make an impression on me, but I didn't know really his Yes, it's his favorite. Not so fast. What's the matter with you two? You nearly let him get away. Sorry, Sorry, sir. What procedures do you propose to adopt? Cell samples tomorrow. Tissue cultures Thursday. Then, of course, there's body structure. And for that, my little friend... We'll just have to cut you. I I didn't grow up with a lot of the Hammer horror movies. No. So I think that really, I I, I feel like I'm a, saying this like a young person, but I think it really was Saruman in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Because in that movie, like he was one of my, he was one of the things that really stood out to me. I like, learned more about him from when he was in the Star Wars prequels. Okay. Like, there were magazine spreads about the movie, and it said, oh, Christopher Lee is Count Dooku, who's yeah. been in more than 200 films. <laughs> yeah, like, that, that was some. You gotta give George Lucas a little bit of credit in that regard, that he does cast Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee in the Star Wars movies. Well, decades apart, but... Yeah, a little bit, but, I mean, he did get them sort of together eventually. Um, and 
you know, Christopher Lee, that's another case where, you know, there's you can criticize Attack of the Clones all you want, and we will. Yes. Um, but Christopher Lee holds his own in that movie. Count Dooku is a pretty fascinating villain. I would disagree. Right, what, would you, what would you say about that? Uh, I think that he still does. He still works. Uh, well, a bland. I don't think it. I think it's hard for any character to overcome the script of the Star Wars prequels. Uh, but I mean, he still had a presence in that film. He did when he, you know, he's facing off against Yoda. I thought that was kind of cool. Well, it is obvious that our we cannot face with the Force, but our skills with a lightsaber. And let's get into one of the coolest things, I think, about Christopher Lee. Because not only was he an actor uh, who was six feet, three inches tall, he was also a master swordsman. Yes, he was. We should also Oh my mention... god, there are still master swordsmen! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, there are interviews. If you go on YouTube, there's a great interview with him about uh, sword fighting. And maybe I'll post that in this podcast. Yeah, like he, definitely. He uh, he talks about you know working in the, the Three Musketeers movies, where he played Rochefort. And by the way, his eye patch in those movies was basically repeated in all the subsequent Musketeers movies that came afterwards. Oh, that's cool. Like, that look, I think, originated with him, and that came from it after. All right, so keep going. Uh, so he and I think it's Oliver Reed that's in The Three yes. Musketeers. Yeah, they were really working hard to make sure they got the sword fighting right. And then he was explaining how there's a whole craft of how, you know, swords are heavy. Yeah. And... You know, you have to be careful how you're using them, and apparently they did have a couple of injuries on that on those movies mm. because you know, and as trained as they could be, you know, it's a sword. It's a sword. It can cut you. It might kill you. Yeah. Um. But what was it? Did you want to say anything else about that? Um. I just think it's really awesome fact, and I wanted to, I wanted to mention earlier that even though Christopher Lee played a, a lot of villains, uh-huh. I mean, I. I can't think of a single instance where he's played a hero. That's a really that's a good point. But I'm trying to think of that. Like he, I wonder if that uh, the trouble ever... was is that he he wasn't a leading man. Yeah, and... I think he talked about. <laughs> so that, usually, what he... happens is that you become a henchman or a villain or yeah. usually some sort of side character. Yeah, he mostly played supporting roles. I mean. The he, nicest the... I've ever seen him in a movie was in Hugo. Yeah, where he plays the bookseller. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he was probably nice in that movie. But here's the thing. Um, Even though he played villains, he was described as one of the the nicest, nicest people to work guy. With. And yeah. this is a weird thing. Like there are people who play villains like Boris Karloff and Vincent Price uh who are, you know, known for playing despicable characters. And they're described as the nicest people well, ever. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Boris Karloff like... donated money to orphans in Canada. Yeah. And Vincent Price was like the coolest guy to work with. Yeah. Because he had just such a great sense of humor. Well, and, I... and, and he was friends with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, Vincent Price. Well, thank goodness. But, and and it's the same thing with Christopher Lee. He he was he was just, he was just he's just always so polite and oh, always yeah. so kind to people. And it, it's just funny to think about it that way. And then you hear about like. Hollywood douchebags who well, become, who are some it, of the richest people in the oh, yeah. in the world. Yeah, well, usually it's it, it, it's funny that it ends up being the other way around too. That like people who often play the heroes are like dicks in real life. Yeah, like people like uh, you, I, I hear you hear bad th- alone is like an asshole, and you hear some pretty bad things about Errol Flynn. <laughs> oh really? Yes. Oh. Well. Yeah, he. Well, you'll forgive him anything for the adventures of Robin Hood, won't you? <laughs> he was really badass in that. I yeah. mean. Um, 
Well, I mean, it's fun to play a villain. I think that oh, yeah. you, know, you don't necessarily have to be a nasty person to play a villain. Like, um, you know, I, I think in the film business, I think you know people try to mostly be professional, and you know, a film shoot can be a, a lot of hard work. Well, you got to have one, people who it's can one work thing together to be, well. It's one thing to be a professional. It's another thing to be a delight to work with. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a guy who, again, talking about the scope of his career, one of his first roles was in Olivier's Hamlet. Mm. And uh, Who did he play in that? He was just a spear carrier. He didn't have a lot of lines. <laughs> <laughs> I should mention that. Also, Pierre Cushing was in that, too. Oh. He did have more of a role. I forget who Pierre... I haven't seen that Hamlet. Oh, I, I read this last night as I was preparing for this. Oh, and we should mention, too, that uh, among villains... Chris Free was also Rasputin. Oh, cool. So uh, there was this one thing uh, when when Christopher Lee met Peter Cushing. They worked together on like 11 films all Oh, I think I know this story too. All right. Go, go so ahead their first it. film together yeah. was... Um, it was one of the Hammer Frankenstein. Movies. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Oh, I forget what... Curse of Frankenstein? Yes. And where where Peter Cushing Peter was Cushing the doctor. Peter Cushing played the doctor and, and Chris, Chris Free was, was, was the monster. And he... Christopher Lee, you know, he's playing the monster. He he barges into the the makeup room where where Peter Cushing is in, and he says, "I don't have any goddamn lines." <laughs> and Peter Cushing Cushing's like, "You're lucky. I read the script." Actually, <laughs> I heard that story. I think it was flipped. What? I think Peter Cushing was the one who came into the room and said, "I have no goddamn." No, lines. but he has lines in that movie. Have you ever seen huh. Frank? Frank? Oh, then it mu- oh, okay. Then it must have been the reverse. Why did I read that? Yeah, that doesn't make much sense. Why would Peter Cushing not have lines in that movie? Jeez, yeah. I read the wrong piece of trivia. But, but that's the right story. Like, that was his first role, and you obviously recognize him under that Frankenstein makeup. Oh yeah, and, and then he played the he, he also played, played the, mummy. the mummy. Yeah, the mummy too. But the, uh, but that's the weird thing. They completely wasted him in that thing, and it's basically he got those roles because he was really tall. Yeah, he was really <laughs> tall. But that in a way that but that also stuck up. That was also a problem. The one problem from his career, even though he had so much screen presence and you know he could take over a role and steal the show because he was so taller than everybody else people didn't really want to work with him that in a way like they did want to work with him but if you're the lead and you're that tall it can be a problem oh although i guess liam neeson has kind of you know t- he, he he's kind of conquered that he's our well, new he is tall the lead. lead well he is the lead yeah no but he's also a really tall guy he's like six foot four i wish he and christopher lee could have had a fight Oh god! Imagine them having a sword fight. Yeah. Oh man! Like you've seen I Rob would... Roy, right? No. I'll have to put it on your list. All right. Maybe next year. A couple of quotes I'd like to share from Christopher Lee. He no impressions, please. No. All right. I'll I'll say this <laughs> in my regular voice. He ex- he accepted the no. 2000- you say it in a squeaky voice. Hi, Christopher Lee. <laughs> All right. No. <laughs> um. So he won the BAFTA in 2011. Uh, Lifetime Achievement Award. And in his speech, this is one of his quotes. I'm thankful that I don't follow in the steps of the great Stanley Kubrick, whose award was posthumous. (laughs) 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 And uh, and as far as career advice, uh, what he told people was, you know, one should try anything he can his career, except folk dance and incest. (laughs) 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 See, very witty guy, right? Yeah. He and that you know Although he, he's right about folk dancing. And he gave that and he you know, he's like ninety when he says that Stanley Kubrick line. <laughs> you know, and um so he 
Yeah, it's great to see him in interviews too. Like he, there are some behind the scenes stuff you can watch online, and uh, and he's also very you know you could tell in interviews he was very patient. You know he could talk you know talk very well to people. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I uh, it's it's a pretty big loss, but again, he lived a full life. You can't yeah. say when your career spans from being in an Oscar winning film in 1948 and then an Oscar winning film in 2003. Yeah, you know, that's that's you know because like I was thinking about this. Chris Rock had a quote about Woody Allen where he was like, you know, who's good for ten years? Who's good for twenty years? You know, you can be somebody in Hollywood who makes an impression for a little while, but then what if your aura dies out? Yeah, Christopher Lee was always working, even if again we, you know, we we watched a movie years back called The Return of Captain Invincible. Yes, which is not a good movie. No. No, but Christopher Lee is the in presence it. of Alan Arkin. Despite yeah, and Alan Arkin tries, but you know he doesn't. You know, but this Christopher script. Lee is the villain, and he has a song in it that steals the show so immensely. Like you almost have to see the movie just to see that number that he does about name your poison. Yeah. Oh, and I also I guess I should be remiss to mention the Wicker Man. Oh. Um, the, the interesting thing about the Wicker Man was that. He did that for free. Yeah, he because loved he just liked so this. much. And then, like, whenever anyone would bring up the Wicker Man, he would be like, "Oh, the, the Wicker Man! Let me tell you something." <laughs> yeah, and he or got he and played he, Lord Summer Isle, who he was like the head of that whole cultish like island, yeah. right? And I have problems with the Wicker Man. Yeah, I do too. It's not a perfect. Movie. It's still uh, it's fun to watch. Yeah, you know, and he, Chris he, really he, is great. Yeah, he really uh, takes over for that. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, again, when you talk about careers, like, this guy kind of has one of the the major ones. And, you know, the fact that he was able to keep on working. And I think Lord of the Rings did help him out a lot in the, in the sense that, like, before that, I mean, his career was still great. Yeah. But by, by the time, you know, he was still working into the 21st century, you know, and he's like 80 years old. And I think Saruman is probably one of his best performances. Like, for me, like, when I watch the scene with him and Gandalf in that movie, I'm just like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, again, Christopher Lee, you know, it's like, yeah. Uh, so, I, I don't know. Are there well, any let's other... finish this off. Yeah. Let... What is your favorite film role of Christopher Lee? Um, uh, it's a tough call. I guess Dracula. I mean, in the, in the horror of Dracula, I should say. Okay. Although he does... In the movie I just watched of him, Dracula is Risen from the Grave, which, aside from having kind of like a goofy way that Dracula is resurrected, which is <laughs> like he's frozen in ice because in the last movie, he yeah. at the end, he falls in water. Like a priest like accidentally falls in some rocks and the blood gets in his mouth. <laughs> and so, of course, he rises from the grave. In that movie, he's really good as Dracula, too. Um, no, yeah. Dracula 2 is a different movie. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, there's also, with that, by the way, in Prince of Darkness, which is the other Dracula movie I watched, which isn't as good as Dracula. As if you could tell these movies apart, but in that movie, Prince of Darkness, he has no lines, and the legend is that he he, he told the, the script writer, look, your script is so bad that just cut out my lines, and I'll just show up and appear, and that will be it. And of course, the writer said, "No, no, that's not true. I wrote it with lines, without lines, I should say." Sorry, but yeah. um, but yeah, it was probably probably dry. if I had to choose, it was 
probably between Dracula and Saruman. All right, cool. So for you? Well, let me see. I think... Uh, I know this isn't a big one, and I know this is going to sound kind of weird, but I do really like him in Hugo, even though he's in such, in such a small He has a pretty part. small role. No, he... It is nice that, you know, Scorsese, of all people, gave him, like, a guy who's there as, like, a kindly librarian who's, you know, helping out Hugo on his... Yeah, I think it's because he is, he, he's just such a, he's, he's not being villainous, because it just yeah. seems to stand out against everything. And he, and he looks at the main character, Hugo Cabaret, with this sort of suspicious, downwards-looking thing, but he warms up to him. And, uh... I just feel like that's how I would feel if Christopher Lee was actually looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so I think this was a guy who, you know, tried anything he could in his career, you know, be it a, the leader of Pakistan or Rasputin or a Bond villain. You know, he, what, what can you say that he didn't do? I mean, right. Maybe he didn't play a woman, but... That would have been interesting. Imagine him as a woman. I don't even want No. Hello. You are sexy. Why don't you come and out on a date with me? <laughs> and on that note, it's I, time to say goodbye. Yes. Uh, we'll say goodbye to Christopher Lee and uh, hope he's off uh, having fun with Peter Cushing and Vincent Price once again. And uh, we'll be back soon uh, to talk about more movies and try to give you some of that uh, edumacation as we learn ourselves about the world of movies. Um, anything on your agenda possibly in the next week? Three Musketeers. There you go. Um, I just missed that on TV. Because I love sword fighting. Yeah, so you haven't seen that one, right? No. Okay, the one in the 70s, which would say, directed by Richard Lester. With Peter York mm. and uh, Oliver Reed. Oliver Reed we got to talk about sometime, because he's a... He's... I, I, want, I would want to talk about him. I have not seen enough of his movies and it's sadly evolved. I, he, he keeps popping up in movies that i keep seeing so uh i'll suggest a few all yeah. right um i plan on seeing uh the new pixar which i meant to see a couple days ago and just didn't get the time uh inside out which has been getting grave reviews um grave reviews or rave reviews <laughs> it's been getting grave reviews andrew um <laughs> no i also took out a herzog box set uh, from the library, uh, of course. I mean, I've seen a lot of those movies, but there are one or two on there that I have never seen before, and they only <laughs> have been recently uh, introduced on this Blu-ray box set. And I'm really excited to check those out. Great. And uh, yeah, and so that wraps it up for the Wages of Cinema. Like we said before, if you want to check us out on iTunes, subscribe to us and write some reviews. Rate us. We'd love to get up there a little bit in the standings. Um, if you want to check us out on Facebook, you can like our page, facebook.com slash wages of cinema, uh, where we post many clips and many extra little goodies, uh, from the movies that we talk about. Uh, send us an email at wages of cinema at gmail.com. If you'd like to, uh, you know, hear more, you know, if you want to give us some advice or tips, you know, tell us a movie you want to watch, tell us a question and we will read it on the air. And, uh, we may say your name depending on how. It sounds. Um, if you give us a goofy name like lovesrainbows at yahoo.com, then I don't know. Do we say lovesrainbows sent us an email? Of course, Jack. Okay. Um, anything else I forgot? You've forgotten that the wages of cinema is death, Jack. Ah! Right.
that I say that I'm old-fashioned, Trevan or that I want a fresh Manhattan with white Anglo-Saxons everywhere, black Russians, no pink lady, give her the Singapore sling. A Moscow mule is not your baby, so highball the vodka and name your sting. Be a big shot with a bull shot. Be a swine, meet out of pine. Have a shot or a pot or a snort of any sort. Rusty spumante, uno chianti.